It's your boy Dukes, and this is After Sports Talks. You can catch us on Monday at 3 p.m. on The Real 1100 and iHeartRadio. Let's go! Let's go. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Yeah, man, it's your boy Bo here, man. Uh, I really I really wish I could be here with, with Mr. Dukes today, but uh, we're going to do this thing solo. We're going to get back with you guys and... Uh, talk about some things whether it be chad johnson old news or we're going to talk about some new news with the WNBA today let's see i was thinking um maybe we get right into it with the uh, WNBA man uh, let's give a shout out to the chicago sky and the phoenix mercury for jumping right in with the nba finals you know we uh we, we don't really look into the WNBA as much as i think we should be i think the I think the women's basketball is on the up and up for sure. I mean, we have some really good girls out there giving it their all. And shout out to Candace Parker for holding it down for Chi-Town right now. She got the key to the city, and I think she's gonna I think she's gonna do some things for them uh, for the finals. Greg, have you uh, checked any WNBA outs lately? Uh, no, I haven't checked out the playoffs at all, uh, just from from what I've seen. Um, I think I did see that the the, the Mercury guy. I thought the the Las Vegas was gonna win the title. I thought they're going the whole thing. I thought they had the best team, but uh, for sure, for sure. But Phoenix. I, I, I mean, as long as Diana Taurasi's out there, you got a chance. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Yeah, she she's man, she's a dog. Her and Skylar Diggins back there, uh, running the guards. You know, they're running it up there. I definitely agree with you with the. With the Aces, I thought that their size with Cam Bage and Wilson, I thought they were going to be able to really make some noise for sure. I saw the uh, the game where uh, Phoenix clinched it, and I think Vegas was down by two, and they go to Asia Wilson, and she went right at Brittany Griner, and I'm like, she has no chance. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's a courageous move, but, you know, um, I think Brittany Griner, if she's not the all-time leading shot blocker in the history of the league, um, but for her to go, like, she hadn't, she did not get past her. Like, Griner stuck with her all the way. So, um, but I, I thought that was a that was a great play. So, that that's the most I've seen so far. Like, I, I don't, I've kind of lost track of when anyone's playing <laughs> or for where sure. they're playing. So, um but now to see that we're at the finals, I should be able to check out a game. Oh, yeah, for sure, man, for sure. You know, crazy, Brittany Griner did not have any blocks throughout that entire game until that last play. Um, she definitely uh, held tight down there. Um, I do want to give a shout-out. Uh, again, I always bring up when I'm in this room that there's a lot of black and red around, and I, I tend to not give them enough credit sometimes, but I have a – I have to go ahead and say it. Georgia is the the new college football number one. I think that's I think that's big for the city of Atlanta. I mean, I know it's in Athens, but you know how how we do here. We're definitely going to represent those Bulldogs. Um, I think they definitely showed up big, big win against you know a team that can 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 win games here in the SEC. We've seen it um, year in and year out. Um, Greg, did you did you see anything in particular that the Bulldogs did? That, you know, did, did they give you any belief that they were a true number one? Um, up to this point, you know, before the um, uh, before the game against Auburn, not really. I thought Arkansas had overachieved up to this point, and you know, I give them credit for the win over Clemson. That was, that was a great defensive performance. Uh, but you kind of wonder, like, will they be able to score points <laughs> if they had to? Right. And and they've been, they've been able to do that. Um, but I think they, they've gotten their high ranking based on how they play defensively. And, um, you know, to give up, I'm doing the, some quick math here, uh, 33 points total in the six games they have played um shows that they they do have they do have an elite defense uh, uh offensively i just wondered if they will be able to score especially after the first game um but they 
you can only play the teams that are on the schedule. And they, they have two more big games coming up. They got Kentucky. Uh, surprise, the surprisingly, that's a, going to be a big game. You would not Absolutely. expect that. Absolutely. And then the week after that, there's Florida. And no matter where the teams are ranked or what their record is, that's always a big game between those two. So it's not over yet for them. I mean, as far as it's not a foregone conclusion. Not, I'm not saying I'm hating on Georgia, but I'm saying that they can further cement that number one ranking by winning the, especially these next two games. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I definitely agree with you there. Um, I think, you know, there's some, I, I think it's a wake up call for Alabama for sure. I think they'll come back ready. They will have an opportunity to, to right that wrong um, for sure in the SEC championship game. But hey, we've seen time and time again, week in, week out that the the teams that you may not you know, think are going to do do anything or going to make some noise out here. I, I want to give a big shout out to the best game I think I've seen in a while, the Texas and Oklahoma game. That was a huge game on Saturday, and uh, I think that's a game that you're going to see on TV, you know, year in and year out around this time of the year, rivalry games, and you're going to you're going to see this for a while. What do you think about? that performance that Oklahoma was able to pull out with that freshman. Well, um, it shows that the, the Spencer Rattler era is all but over. Um, I haven't seen any news that he's in the transfer portal yet. (laughs) Um, but it was, it was a great comeback win by them. Uh, you know, a lot of people went, it came into this game thinking that Texas was going to win, uh, just because, I mean, Oklahoma may have been undefeated, but it was some pretty shaky play, Um, especially the win over Kansas State. They barely beat West Virginia. They barely beat Nebraska. They barely beat Tulane. So they're they're just getting by. Right. Um, But for them to to make this comeback against Texas in one of their biggest games, um, uh, Caleb Williams came in 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 a very... That's a normally a difficult spot, you know, um, when the uh, backup goes in because the first string isn't playing well, and you're down big, and maybe it's just to get some reps. And but to not just concede the game, especially against Texas, you just don't you don't want to do that. Right. right. So uh, it's big that they that they were able to make the comeback and is is at the beginning of the Caleb Williams era. Uh, for them to make a run at a at not only the Big 12 title but at a national championship, I always feel like I've always said told people that in the Big 12, Oklahoma and Texas are the only teams allowed from the Big 12 <laughs> to be in the playoff. For sure. Um, so they're gonna they they have an opportunity to still to still do that. Um, it's gonna be tough still even with the environments they go into because they're leaving the Big 12. Uh, so. They are they are in an interesting position, but it could be a great story if they continue to make this run. Oh yeah, yeah, oh, oh for sure. I mean, Caleb Williams. I uh, I don't like to jump the gun. Spencer Rattler. He's played a lot of football, and I, I believe that he is battle tested. Um, he's shown that you know he can go through some adversity. He's had some earlier in this season, you know, to fight through some games. The Oklahoma defense is an adversity in itself. You, that you have to get over, you it's know. It's been that way for 20 years, maybe. Right, right. <laughs> so, you know, Caleb, I mean, I'm not going to discredit the things that he did. He came out there. Even on some of the throws that he missed, I felt like they were good throws. Uh, he, he made some good decisions. And, I mean, he he's – I mean, Spencer's dual threat as well. But Caleb, he shows that he can bring a different dynamic to that, to that offense. Uh, I, I don't, I don't think Spencer's going to tap into the transfer, uh, transfer portal. I think he's going to stick it out. Um, but hey, you know, this is college football, so you, you just never know. You never know. Um, I do want to highlight B. John, man. B. John, running back for Texas, he's a stud. He's definitely going to be a top pick. Uh, but I don't think that people are giving Kennedy Brooks, the Oklahoma running back, enough attention. He's doing some special things and really, 
you know, allowing these quarterbacks, whether it be Spencer going through some things or Caleb being a freshman, not really having that much time. I think he's making these QBs more comfortable. Well, that's an underrated part of of, uh, of the Lincoln Riley offense uh, is the running game. They've had um, a couple of good running backs under him that have gone to the, the NFL, Joe Mixon, Samaze P. Ryan. Um, they've had some, some guys go to the next level. Uh, but I guess they're not – the quarterback is going to get the shine in that kind of offense. Um, but I think uh, Kenny Brooks, he played great. He rushed up for over 200 yards. I mean, he was a, a major part of that comeback, of course. For uh, sure. B. Robinson, I haven't seen much of him. He's a sophomore. Uh, so, um, depending on how the rest of this, this season goes – We'll probably see him uh, as an early Heisman candidate next year, for sure. Um, but uh, and then he was getting Reggie Bush comparisons. That's pretty lofty yeah, to that, me. That's, that's <laughs> on the college time, level. Man. You're talking about. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah, that's 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 a tough one. Yeah, that's that's someone who can do everything. Um, you know, just get him the ball. So uh, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing more at more from him as well. So. Um, I mean, it's also it's an interesting time for Texas. They're also moving to the SEC, and the this the Sarkeesian era isn't off to a great start. I guess in their in their minds, they expected more. Um, but you know, to have a player to be excited about at Texas, uh, really haven't seen that since. I guess you could say. Colt McCoy and Vince Young before that. So right, right. Maybe Robinson could be that player. So we'll just have to see. Yeah, yeah. We'll see. We'll see. And then we'll get a chance to see some Big Twelve teams and how they do when they uh, come over to the SEC. Uh, that's going to be pretty exciting in itself. You know, conferences shaking up, guys not going to the same. You know, schools. They're, they're you know, teams like Kentucky are able to compete. And we've seen this. Uh, we, we've seen uh, Kentucky be good in the past here in the recent decade. And I think we're only going to see more of that, more of these types of teams being able to make big pushes to make conversation at the end of the year for college football playoff. Yeah, um, it, it's it'll be good to see a couple of some some new blood in the college football playoff. I mean, uh, Clemson, Clemson made it for six straight years. Uh Alabama, I think, has only missed it once of the of the seven years. Uh, so uh, it'll be good to to see some new some some other teams try to make a run. Um, you know, I I'm still not sure if someone like Cincinnati can actually crash the party. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, we'll, yeah, we'll, I feel like this is the perfect year for us us to see something like that. There's already going to be a conversation about Bama since they do have that loss and there will be teams that won't have a loss and we're going to be back to square one at that table going on, going and saying man should we give this team a chance or do we know we know what Alabama brings to the table you know we know they're going to give us a good ball game well yeah and you want one thing I think that is uh, that is a concern for the committee um that I think does factor into who they pick is the TV ratings. Absolutely. You know, I mean, I know, understand if some people are tired of seeing Alabama and Clemson every year uh, or Notre Dame just sneaking in there <laughs> and we know they're going to lose. Right, right. <laughs> um, but to see, but Georgia, Georgia has been in the playoff before. Um, so it's nothing strange there, but to see another Big Ten team outside of Ohio State, like could Iowa be that team, um, or could Penn State, you know, play their way back in? Could Michigan play their way in? Uh, sure, but for it sure. all for them, we know it just comes down to can you beat Ohio State? Uh, but a team like I, I do wonder if any, if the committees will look more at the group of five schools like Cincinnati and will they get will they get a fair shot to to get in I do feel I did feel like whatever whenever wherever they get in they have to play an SEC team regardless, regardless so yeah. we'll see how good they are they actually are 
Um, and some people bring up Coastal Carolina. I, I honestly don't think they have a chance to get in, even if they go undefeated. The schedule's just not strong enough. And even if they try to make it stronger, the Power 5 schools are, are going to be hesitant to play them because they don't want to lose. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, Co- Coastal Carolina, I, I believe that's a little bit of a stretch. Um, I, I would agree there. Um, I do want to switch over to a little bit of NFL. We did get to see, I think the last time we, we talked, we talked a little bit about Aaron Rodgers going through some tough times in Green Bay. And it, it looks like th- those conversations were silly at the time. Um, it looks like everything's, you know, everything's good. Um, Aaron's back on track. Adams, they're, 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 they're clicking on all cylinders. Um, but the NFL, man, uh, th- this season is shaking up to be, you know, I, normally I think the NFL is more predictable than college football at the top end of everything. Uh, lately, we've seen Brady. You know, over the past decade and a half, decade or two, just LeBron James it. And I I believe that this this year we're going to see some different teams playing for the Super Bowl. And I'm not saying that Brady's not going to have their have those guys ready because they look good yesterday. But um, I believe that teams like Buffalo, you know, teams like the Chargers, they're going to be some teams that are going to, you know, Raise my brows for sure. I um well I, I figured the Bills were going to be I was hoping that they would be as good as they were last year and, and maybe improve on, on some things and they were able to beat Kansas City last night. They handled them pretty well. Um the Chargers for a while, like I'm I'm starting to come around on Justin Herbert. I thought he was more of a media creation. <laughs> um I thought it was a lot of hype. Uh, but if anyone watched that shootout with against the Browns, uh, I thought that was that was pretty that was uh, that was a really good game. I don't know if that's the best game of the year. Off the top of my head, it was the best game of the week. I will at least give give them that. Um, and uh, you know, I it, but it will be good to see the you know the Bills and Chargers. You know, if if we're looking at them as Super Bowl contenders. Um, I still, even though that they they're two and three, I still feel like the Chiefs are going to come around. It's just it's it's adjustments they can be they can make. It's mistakes that can be fixed. Absolutely, absolutely. I uh, mean, yeah. a defense, I think, is the biggest problem for them right now. Um, they just don't have any like they're bending and they're they, they're breaking as well. So. Yeah. It's, it's kind of, you know, it, it puts the offense, it puts Patty and company, it takes them out of their rhythm when the defense can't get off the field. And Patty, you know, and the offense hasn't been what we've seen in the past as well. They haven't been clicking on, clicking on all cylinders. And so they at times have put strain on the defense as well. I, and it's, I don't know if it's an Andy Reid thing, but we kind of saw this when he coached the Eagles. Um, when they the Chiefs are a lot better and I and any team that can if you have weapons in the passing game, if you're also able to run the ball, it makes you a much more dangerous team. I think part of it is the Chiefs can't run the ball the way that they that they want to. Um, and Edwards Hilaire is hurt, so it's it's uh it's still an issue with them uh, with running the ball so you don't want to be one dimensional. And it seems like teams, okay, all we have to do is cover Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, and we're good. <laughs> so, Pretty much. Um, but like I said, those are things that, that they can fix. Uh, what I wanted to ask you about with the uh, with the AFC, uh, excuse me, the NFC, the Cardinals are the only undefeated team remaining. Are they the best team in the league? Well... I still believe I'm a firm believer on until the champion has been taken off of its throne, then you cannot, you know, say such a thing about a team who hasn't shown us at any time in as long as I can remember that they can hold up and be this kind of football team that can make some real noise. Okay, so when you have a team like Tampa Bay and Tom Brady – Putting up the type of uh, 
numbers they put up against a Miami defense who their Miami's defense is not trash. They have a very good secondary. They have pieces all around the board, young guys who are who have bought in. They have the top defense in the NFL last season. Um, Brady is just on all cylinders. He has the best receiving core in the NFL right now. Even with Gronk being out, it doesn't matter. Um, so, no, I can't say the Arizona Cardinals are that team. I will say that Kyler Murray is definitely the guy for, for them. I think they have a great mix of everything going on in Arizona. And I didn't think that because I thought that they lost in that Peterson trade. You know, but now their defense is coming around. I didn't think Chandler Jones was going to do what he did week one. What was that? Five? He yeah, had five, five sacks, sacks week one. So, I, I mean, this, this team surprises me every week. I'm going to say this now. The strongest, best hands in the NFL, DeAndre Hopkins, is still doing DeAndre Hopkins things, even though he's not getting the same volume that he was getting with the Houston Texans. He definitely is still bringing the value. So, I mean, I, I don't see, I don't see a let up in the Arizona Cardinals either. Yeah, I think part of it is that like their their defense has improved. I mean, you add JJ Watt, he's not going to be JJ Watt from 2014, but uh, he's still going to bring value and leadership to them. And they figured out what to do with Isaiah Simmons. Absolutely. <laughs> um, like I've told people, like, you can play multiple positions on the college level. And if you're effective at all of them, then team that your team will continue to, to use you in that way. In the NFL, that just doesn't work because your responsibilities are different at each position. You have to look for different things. So I think that's what affected him as far as being on the field last year. But this year, they'll have him do maybe just the set of five things. It's two things. Right, right. <laughs> uh, and just just uh, do just be great at those two things. And uh, I think that's definitely um, uh, that's definitely helped him on the defensive side. Offensively, uh, I don't know. They. They may have an argument for being the best wide receiving core in the league because uh, it could be anybody on any given any given day. There's Hopkins, there's A.J. Green, Rondell Moore, Christian Kirk. <laughs> uh, so they have a lot of uh, they have a lot of weapons there too. Um, but there's they they've there may you may look at them as one of those teams that you know well they just beat the teams in front of them. Uh, so, I understand the hesitation for anyone to say they're the best team in the league. But they have – these are definitely games they could have lost. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so, they definitely have a few games that could have gone a kick or, you know, a fumble here or two away from going the other way. So, they, they've um, – I guess you could say in a way they've grown up. Um, because in, in their most important spots, they are still a young team. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, it, I mean, when young quarterbacks are put in these kinds of situations early on in their career, it can be tough on a guy to pick up all of the different nuances that the NFL, you know, it, it makes you incorporate. You have to be an intricate offense to be able to be successful in this league. You have to be able to retain that information and it become instinctive. And it has to be, you know, quick. You, you don't have the time that you had in, in college to sit back and, you know, figure things out. You know, that it's about three seconds quicker in the NFL with just, you know, being able to get the ball out of your hands. So I, I believe Kyler Murray has grown up a great deal. I think it's also very situational. The coach is it's the perfect fit for what they're trying to do. Drafting a guy like Rondell, it's definitely going to just – he's going to be a – he's a plug-and-play guy with Christian Kirk down there in the slot. So, great things from the Cardinals to, you know, to come up. And, I mean, NFL has just been very exciting. The Cowboys actually look good. Uh, I don't know what all this is about, but we'll, we'll see exactly how long they can sustain that um, with being in the NFC East. I'm a, I'm a Cowboys fan, and I'm still – I'm not – 
going off the deep end as some fans may do um, or is expected. I, I haven't even really seen it yet. But it's good to see that um, there is there's just some, there's some consistency um, and that there is some balance. Uh, there's There were a couple of games where I thought Dak is throwing it too much. Why aren't we running the ball? And to have the one-two punch with Elliott and Pollard. Um, uh, and then the, the defense, I know there was questions with Dan Quinn coming in and he brings in Keanu Neal and puts him at linebacker and <laughs> uh, uh, risky, right? Yeah, for to make that kind of position switch, you normally just see someone go from corner to safety, but right. not safety to linebacker. Um, a few years into their career, but uh, I understand the ideas to, to play fast, um, to to use speed, and there there's a, there's plenty of it. And uh, Trayvon Diggs is, um, I don't know why teams keep throwing in his direction. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it seems to be silly at this point. Uh, and I honestly think it's at where we are right now, for him to have the amount of takeaways that he has, it's becoming to be disrespectful to keep yeah. throwing the ball to him. You know, I know you have to get guys going and, you know, do it a different way. Move them around, put them in the slot, you know, get them. Get them. Diggs is taking everything away. You throw it, it's his. And I I believe it's a better Dak. You know, a better Dak. Dak is more in the pocket now. Um, yeah, he still has the legs to move around. And I just think he's playing smarter and it's allowing – He's actually allowing the young receivers to really, you know, make plays, putting guys like C.D. Lamb in position, a guy who is a yak guy. He's a yards after catch guy. You get him the ball in his hands and he makes things happen. And I believe Dak is doing a better job at trusting those guys. Now, they also have we, we've been talking about offenses and wide receiving groups. And I mean, it, let's look at it. They have a really good wide receiver group as well. Yeah, with uh, with Cooper and Lamb, uh, Gallup, Gallup has been out, but um, Cedric Wilson has made a couple plays, uh, and uh, Dalton Schultz at uh, at tight end. Uh, I didn't know what they were going to really do at tight end uh, because Jason Witten like basically cast a shadow over that group for a very long time, you know, um, and do you try to replace him or do you try to you get a, use a receiver more to get more speed in your offense? Uh, but Dalton Schultz and Blake Jarwin have played, they played pretty well and they, I think they can be um, dependable down the line uh, at that position. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I really don't mind when teams run the two tight end type deal kind of like what Philly's doing with Ertz and Goddard I don't mind that at all because these guys can really catch the ball but then again like somebody like Ertz may not be as good of a blocker as somebody like Goddard who can give you both but you know teams are able to run out of these sets they're able to pass out of these two tight end sets and I think it opens up the offense when you have, even Atlanta with Pitts and Hayden Hurst. I mean, we were, we were able to see both of those guys make plays yesterday, albeit Pitts outpaced Hayden Hurst by a lot. But, I mean, being able to have two tight ends on the field, it's most defenses don't have two really good cover linebackers. Right. You know, they, they may have one or they may have a safety that's really good at – you know, dealing with those pass-catching tight ends. But to have two guys at that size, it's going to be pretty tough for, you know, a defense to hone in on Schultz and Jarwin when you have a run game and a receiving group like you do. Yeah, it's uh, – I think that's an underrated part of building a, building a roster or building your offense is if you have two tight ends – um, you can create, I mean, if you have one great tight end that can create mismatches wherever he is, 
that's that's great, but that's very hard to find. <laughs> right, absolutely. Uh, but if you have two guys who can kind of do the, they they're kind of the same player. They can play in the same. They play the same position. They can run. They, it, it will. It changes the dynamic of your offense uh, because I think a lot of it. A lot of people may look at the physicality and speed uh, with football, but if you can get teams a little bit out of position. Get them one yard over here, and that'll give a quarterback a one-yard window over there to to make a play. Um, it's really I, I, it, that's an underrated thing, and I think that uh, it's good that the the hopefully the Falcons down the line can take advantage of that because we see the potential. We saw the potential yesterday of what Kyle Pitts can be, and that's why he was the fourth pick overall. Absolutely, absolutely, and here in Atlanta. I mean, we we definitely have been spoiled. Now, I'm, I'm I don't want to seem like a Falcon fan. Let me just make sure I say that before I say what I'm going to say here. But we've been spoiled with decent tight ends, and when I mean decent, I mean I can go back to as far as I can remember with the Falcons having Algie Crumpler, and Algie was you know he was a every down back tight end, you know in there on the runs, in there on passing situations, in there in the red zone. And he was highly prolific. It was like, you know, with Vic, when in doubt, throw it to Crumpler. Right, right. <laughs> he, he's really good at when Vic got out of the pocket, understanding that I can't just give up on my route with this guy back here who is is known to make things happen. Let me just keep moving and see where this play takes me. And we also had that with Tony Gonzalez. Yeah. And that's Tony, like, at the end of his career. Right. Uh, he was still productive. I mean, you could say he was past his prime. I, I thought he was still in his prime in year 15, 16. Um, still highly productive. Um, and, a, and a very important red zone target for Matt Ryan. Absolutely. And, and Matt, I think, being able to work with a guy like Tony – if anything, we don't know how long Matt Ryan's going to be with the Falcons, but if anything, you have to be comfortable with the fact that Matt Ryan has played with a prolific tight end, a Hall of Famer tight end, that if anything, he could have learned some nuances that he did, that he can pass on the pits to kind of, you know, how'd you get open here? What, what do you do here? Do you sit here more? Just different little things that can help grow pits quicker. You know, because I believe he has an elite athleticism at that tight end position that, you know, even like Travis Kelsey, yeah, he's a great athlete. You know, he has the, the size for sure to be doing what he's doing, but Kyle Pitts is explosive. So I, I, I'm definitely definitely excited to see how uh, Pitts grows in that Falcons offense that definitely does struggle. I do have Cordero Patterson on my fantasy football team. Shout out to him for, you know, some guys left him chilling on the waiver too long. And I said, you know what, let me scoop him up early and um, add him to the squad. I got uh, I got beat last week because the other guy had Cordero Patterson with the game against Washington. And I don't know, I, maybe it, it, it just took eight years to figure out what to do with a guy like him. Uh, it's um, very interesting that he is the – say he's almost the centerpiece of the running game uh for the falcons and you know do different things with him just to get him the ball you know i kind of looked at him uh coming into the coming into the league as as a percy harvin type of player where he could play a couple of multiple positions and all you have to do is just get him the ball and get him in space and he can make something happen for sure for sure i mean He's, what, 230, 235. He's like 6'3", 6'4", running back. That, that, first off, that that's like Brandon Jacobs, you know, as far as, like, height at that position. You don't really see that much, um, you know, because of all the hits they take. But he, I believe, has become Matt Ryan's safety blanket for not having a Julio Jones. He's being able to not just affect the rush, but the pass at a very high clip. Like you said, they're doing what they're 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 pretty much whole offense is based on getting him the ball right now, uh, especially with Ridley being out. 
um, yesterday. That put, and I don't know, maybe that was the reason why we saw a lot more from Pitts. Um, but even in the prior games, too, there was a lot more Patterson than everybody else. Um, even with Ridley out on the field, there was still more Patterson than everybody else. So, you know, I, I don't I don't like to the Falcons offense can always be frustrating to even talk about because we know what they could be, but it's been this way with about four or five different offenses over the past decade and a half. So, you know, I can't, I guess it's kind of like, uh, you know, but, but anyway, um, I was, I was really, I don't know. I don't know how you feel about this, but my Pittsburgh Steelers, man, we, we, we 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 lost Juju for the season. Yeah, it it hurts. Uh, I can't I can't lie. It hurts. Do I think he's an intricate part of our offense that we have to have him to win? No, but he he's a vibe for us. You know what I'm saying? He he's a he's a vibe for Ben. Ben can trust him. Um, but I, I I don't I don't like where we're you know we won yesterday. I don't I don't like it though. Yeah, it, it's going to be tough because. Now, I mean, Juju may have been that dependable guy. May not, maybe not as prolific um, this season or or last season, but still that dependable guy and kind of the the, the moral support, if you will, for for the team. Um, Chase Claypool has asserted himself. Uh, Deontay Johnson has had a couple of good games, um, but it's going to be on on the the rest of the receivers to kind of who's going to be that person to to step up uh because i think it, it seemed to be like more the more that ben can spread out um the the throws the the better that the offense looks um i don't you may know more about if how good ray ray mcleod can actually be or cody white um James Washington is is out. I know I, the only thing I knew of that he had some issues with the amount of targets he was getting in the offense. Yeah, he requested a trade at the beginning before the season even started. He requested a trade to get out because of that. Um, Ray Ray, <laughs> uh, I like him, but that he's not the answer. You know, uh, I, I look and I'm watching the Buccaneers and I'm, I'm watching AB do all these things. And, <laughs> you know, it, it, as much as I as, as much as it hurts, AB, I miss you, bro. I, I gave you a I gave you some man. I, I miss you, bro. We need you. We see what you meant to the team. We see that, you know, with your ability to spread the ball. Around the, it, it just opened everything up for Ben having a guy like that. I, I, Juju definitely was a beneficiary of AB as far as the early success that he had. You know that wouldn't have happened if there was no AB around. I do think that still, um, I mean, it's going to be a glaring question until they until a move is actually made. I do still think Big Ben is done. Uh, the they're going to be able to win some games and, and get away with a couple things for the rest of the season. But I think that uh, going forward, the team will have to think about the future at quarterback. Um, Mason Rudolph is doesn't seem to be that guy. We've seen that story. <laughs> uh, Dwayne Haskins. I don't know what um, maybe it's just to have a job to be somewhere, you know, for this season. Um, and then they bring Dobbs back and now he's on he's on IR still. So uh, that's something that they'll have to think about going forward. Um, I kind of have a hard time seeing the Steelers being a playoff team this year, uh, just based on their limitations offensively because of their quarterback. The defense is top five, uh, you could say. Uh, but offensively, it's just one It's one of those situations where, well, yeah, they're, they're kind of being held back by who they have at quarterback. 
Absolutely. I mean, I I, I can't agree more. I, I definitely do not see. Man, I hate to say it. I do not see playoffs in the in the picture for us. I I, I do believe that we can win some games, but I, I don't think it's going to matter. Ben Ben is. Uh, we appreciate you, bro. But it's it's about that time. Um, it's about that time. Um, so I do want to. Uh, I do want to move on a little bit. Uh, basketball season is upon us. It's, it, it's here. I mean, it, it's here. We, we have a lot of Laker talk. We have a lot of, you know, vaccine talk with Andrew Wiggins. Was he going to get the shot? Was he not? We have this ongoing saga with Kyrie Irving. Um, only can play home games. Is that going to work? Is Nash going going to allow that? How does KD feel? We know we know we got to ask how KD oh, no, feels. Actually, Kyrie can't play home games. Oh right, right, can't play home games. But now he's um with the uh, all the uh, the protocol in the state, he's able to practice at home. Okay, that's a new wrinkle. <laughs> but. Okay. Uh, still no, uh, he won't be able to play home games without proof of vaccination. That was the thing with Andrew Wiggins. And I think Andrew Wiggins was informed of how much money he would lose by not playing, um, by missing half the games. And so he went ahead and got vaccinated. Um, with Kyrie, um, I don't. We don't see, we don't know the like the real actual reason why he's uh, he's resistant. Right, right. We don't. Uh, and so a lot of people just look at it as he's just doing it just to do it. Like he's refusing it just to refuse it. Um, when there's no real motivation behind it. Um, and some people use the well, I just need to do more research. Um, this has been around for almost two years. What right. kind of research are you looking for? You know, if you um, haven't found it now, you, you probably aren't going to find any <laughs> anything new. So they're just, and I know Brooklyn is. I don't know if they are fed up. But I wouldn't be. I definitely wouldn't be surprised if they are because they made all these moves and they made all these sacrifices to get the team that they have put together. You have uh, six players who made the all-star team at least four times. Yeah, you have um, you have a coach that um, he he's as a player he was part of one of the, the most innovative offense uh, we've seen, and he's able to bring that knowledge. Um, and then you have three of the top, you could say 15 players in the league. And now this one guy could derail all the aspirations um, based on what? It, and, you know, some people call him a contrarian without a cause. Right. A rebel without a point. <laughs> so, um, it I it would be interesting to see like what happens because the players at they like the players have that team they from stories I've read they have so much control they have or or they have so much freedom of, of how they want to live or operate within the organization. Um, this is this I know they don't want it to be a problem going forward, but it definitely can be if. No one can get through to him uh, to to get vaccinated and just and to move on. Right. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. It's that's that's pretty much as simple as you know. It, it doesn't get any more simple than that. Uh, he'll. This is definitely an issue that I believe that I can't disagree with how he's going about it. You know, I I want to, but I but I can't. You know, I, I can't. It, it's it's his choice, just like it's your choice. It's my choice. You know, I'm the kind of guy. I'm a I'm a really big team player. 
but then outside of the team, I think a lot of people also have to understand that these guys have families as well. And a team is, that's great. That's all fine and dandy. But I think, if anything, that these guys are going to be more so concerned of what their family, uh, how they feel about this uh, vaccine as well. I believe if, you know, I don't know anything about Kyrie's family, but I believe if they were for the vaccine or, you know, were giving him some type of, you know, research on you know why he should get it, get it um that he, maybe he would do that and also if they are not for it then he would probably not be for it i think that's kind of like the common thing that i've seen around with people getting it versus them or them not uh, it's all about family um but yeah so i really think with the nba coming up pretty soon the atlanta hawks um, I think we have a real shot here in the A. Um, I think we have a real shot to build on what we were able to accomplish here in this uh, past playoffs. I do believe that it's going to it's going to depend upon how healthy we can stay. How healthy we can stay. Uh, I am expecting another. It doesn't have to be a big, but I do expect another solid jump from John Collins like he's done every year he's been consistently getting better i need him to continue to stay on that route with the bread that we just provided him um i do believe that he's going to do that and you know our rookies that we that we got i'm expecting to see some things yeah it looks like they i expect them to be in the rotation you know the i think an advantage that the hawks had last year as far as the run they made was depth um, and I think this year they still have that kind of depth. You know, Gallinari is still there. Lou Williams is still there. Um, Bogdanovich, Herder, and Hunter, and Reddish, they play the same two positions. <laughs> right, right. So you can rotate them out. I mean, I think there's a lot of, a lot of room to do a lot of different things. Uh, of course, you want to have one thing that, you know, a go-to lineup in it. Um, but I think they'll be able to play matchups a lot differently. And that's going to be key, especially in the playoffs. Um, and I think that's what helped them win the, uh, at least to get to the conference finals. Um, you know, yeah, the Sixers had Embiid, but they didn't. They didn't have anybody, or who was a consistent third scorer, right? And while the Hawks, it they had people who could step up to be that third scorer. It wasn't the same guy every game, but there was someone who was capable. Uh, so that's something that the the Hawks can take advantage take advantage of in the playoffs and throughout the season. There'll be room for experimentation until you find that lineup because they're they're. Like I said, they have a, they have depth, especially on the wing. Um, I don't know if they'll have to make a decision with trading any of those guys uh, um, to make a to make a, a late season push, but the the roster they have now, um, they can do a lot of different things, and I think they'll surprise people again. I mean, the last year the conference finals was a surprise. They could be in the top four this year. Absolutely, I, I I definitely agree there. Um, what I what I get from the Hawks is other teams in the NBA like that are you know established like the Lakers, the Nets, the Nuggets, the you know the teams that are kind of always there at the end, at least over the past few years or so, however long you want to go back and look at it. I believe that teams like the Hawks and like the Hornets and these young teams that have pieces, like the Bulls, they have pieces to make make some noise. I believe they value the regular season more. You know, I believe they're taking each game and saying, hey, I need to get better. You know, I, I saw that from the Hawks last season, especially after the, the coaching change. I don't know what happened or what was said or – you know, but they had the same team, and Nate came in, and the guys looked like they were ready to show out in State Farm. 
every night. Um, I do believe that Nate is going to have a challenge in finding that lineup um, that we're going to be able to uh, use. And it is going to be matchup based because I do believe now today's NBA is not the same as you got to have a big here. You got to have this guy here. You got to It's more like football. You're, you, you, we need positionless, you know, positionless basketball players is winning. They're winning right now. Um, you, you know, we all know that with Trey Young being on the court, having a Cam Reddish back, I think, is going to be a big boost for our defense, at least in, you know, in the half court. Because, I mean, Cam, Cam is going to be guarding the other team's best ball handler. We definitely saw some things from him in the playoffs at the end. I believe if he was able to come back maybe a, a month or two sooner, um, he'd be able to get some legs under him. Uh, he was only been he was only able to play like 15 to 20 minutes a game in those playoffs, but he gave it all he had, and I, I just see so much potential in the Hawks. Um, I, I I'm I'm so excited for the for the rookies though. I think they're going to learn a lot. Um, I do want to give a little bit of a a shout out to my guy Clint Capella. I don't think he gets enough respect in the league as a rim protector, as a guy who can control the, the glass on both ends of the floor, create second chance opportunities for the, the shooters in Bogey and Gallo and uh, and Trey, of course, um, able to really run the floor. I think that affects a lot of the big men, and I think he takes advantage. Of, I think he does a really good job of taking advantage of uh, running the floor. Um so, yeah, man, big shout-out to you, Clint Capella. Uh, I want to thank my guy Greg here for uh, kicking it with me today. Uh, definitely next time on the show we're going to have Dukes back in the building. Um, I know he's uh, he may be listening right now, but I, I definitely can't wait to get back in here with you, bro. We got some uh, sports talking to do. We're going to have some other things coming up for you guys in the future uh, for sure, so stick around with us. Uh, we're going to turn things up a little bit for sure. for tuning in on Apple Sports Talk. It's your boy Dukes. We had a good time. This was fun, but we'll do it again. Peace!